When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Hey, hope you have a great weekend ahead of you. The Blue Jackets lead the Red Wings 2-1 early in the second period. The Calgary Flames up 1-0 in Ottawa. That one is late in the first period. The Flames coming into tonight. Three points out of a playoff spot. They trail Los Angeles by three for the second and final wildcard spot. The Kings not in action tonight. Two games later, Ducks at Stars and the Wild play the Canucks and then Minnesota here tomorrow. Rogers place to face your Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton will close out a five-game homestand. They're 2-2 two and two so far. We'll have that game for you on 6.30. Chad, the face-off show at 6.30 tomorrow and the game will be at 8.00. How's this one going to go? Last night against the New York Islanders, not a lot to talk about for most of the evening, and then it picked up, and then a grand conclusion. So Nugent Hopkins, 6 of 20, 30% in shootouts in his career. He'll pick it up at center. One of one this season. In over the line, left to right, between circles. Reshot score! Beat him blocker side, right inside the left post, and the Oilers get the early edge. And the Islanders waste no time. Jordan Eberle, who faced Cam Talbot for a couple of years, of course, in practice. Jordan's the joy of the fact that the fans are booing him right now. 37% for his career in the shootout. In over the line. Right-handed shot. Rister, score! Beat Cam Talbot glove side and kind of banged his stick on the glass for emphasis. Eberle, here we go, left to right. Connor McDavid in the third round of the shootout between circles, settles the puck from the hash marks, dish, score! What a move! Dragged it to the inside, then brought it back out and tucked it inside the left post. He's starting to feel it in the skills comp. Talbot, a save, and this game is over. Tavares, 28% of his career, in over the line, shoots, denied! Skill. Gotta tell you, the Oilers have been very good in extra time. 15 times this season, they've been tied after 60 minutes. 11 and 4 in those games, 7 and 3 in overtime. Now 4 and 1 in shootouts. The man who called that action, my favorite graduate of Ithaca College, who I've ever met, it is Jack Michaels. Hi, Jack. Oh, you had to add in that at last qualifier, huh? What? 
<laughs> you must know that Carl Ravitch and Rod Serling and guys like that uh, graduated from Ithaca College, so you're covering all bases, I see. Well, I just looked up the list of Ithaca College alumni, notable alumni, and Rod Serling's name definitely jumped out, though I was never really a big Twilight Zone guy. I wasn't either, and, and sadly, I'm not on that list either. I'm very upset about it. Yeah, how could Wikipedia not have Jack Michaels on the list of notable... I, I don't even Ithaca- have a Wikipedia page, Reed. Maybe you could apply for me. <laughs> we'll have to make you one. We'll have to make you one. Jack Michaels is a... Then I, I would probably just stop there. What? <laughs> you just trail off there? <laughs> just ellipses. Jack Michaels is a... Oh, because you know my attention span. I would get tired of typing after like five words. Now, who? how do you get a Wikipedia page? You know what? In all honesty, I wonder how it happens because I'm actually one of the, I think I'm one of the few NHL announcers that does not have a Wikipedia page, and I'm very, I'm hurt. I think you can make one for somebody else, but I think it has to get approved because Wikipedia, even though it says it's it's for the people, there are still editors, right? And there are still right. people that police it and make sure you're not... So putting... for all these people, and many of them, you know, equally non-entities like myself, I'm very surprised that, like, someone takes the time and is like, I'd like to submit this guy for a Wikipedia page. And then you could theoretically... I mean, the good thing, Reed, is if I ever got out of line, you could probably take it out on me on my Wikipedia page. You know, under the guys of, hey, I work with Jack Michaels, he authorized me to send this in, and then you could fill in a whole, you know, you could fill in whatever you want. Okay, well, they don't catch everything, and I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, About a month ago, Jack, I interviewed Trevor Cox, who plays for the U of A Golden Bears. Of course, they're off this weekend. They'll go to Nationals next weekend. I don't know if you've ever heard uh, Bob Stauffer talk about the team. No, no, never have, actually. Or that or any of the other uh, interscholastic athletic (laughs) programs they have. Never heard anything about it. So I'd never had Trevor on the show before, so I'm checking his hockey career and asking the U of A uh, athletics guys anything interesting. And he has a Wikipedia page. Now, this shows you that not everything is uh, completely verified because his buddies, uh, his former junior buddies with the Vancouver Giants, made his Wikipedia page. His height and weight, respectively, is listed as four foot eight, sixty-five pounds. He assured me he is taller and heavier than that. On his junior career, it says he has participated in zero on-ice warm-ups throughout his career, and he enjoys chatting up linesmen and tough guys throughout the league. Also of note, in a game in February in Kelowna, now notice it doesn't say the year; just says in February in Kelowna, uh, he netted four points and didn't get a star. That's the extent of his Wikipedia entry. So as you you can see no editor has yet stumbled across the Trevor Cox ice hockey page and thought maybe we should clean that up. It slid through the cracks evidently. I mean, four eight sixty five pounds. I I think even the Haiti kid was bigger than that. <laughs> That's great. Remember uh, when Bundy? Remember when Bundy splashed him? In WrestleMania three? I don't remember that. Was oh, that, was that the one at MSG? You don't remember the mixed tag? Where they had where they had the little people, and I think it was Bundy for the quote unquote bad little people, and then I think it was Hillbilly Jim was the the opposition with the quote unquote good, and then everyone turned on Bundy once he once he splashed uh, the Haiti kid. Like everyone, you know, on both teams was like, all right, that's enough. WrestleMania three at the Pontiac Silverdome, March twenty ninth, nineteen eighty seven. Largest indoor attendance anywhere. 
See, I to wasn't uh, ninety three thousand, I believe. See, I, I watched wrestling for basically in eighty nine and ninety was my brief flirtation with being a wrestling fan. I think I was in grade ten and eleven, and then I I just moved on. I was watching during the whole Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan feud, and then uh, Ultimate Warrior got in that feud with uh, Randy Macho Man Savage, and they had the retirement match that then ended with Macho Man proposing to Miss Elizabeth, and then I was just finished with it. I think now yeah, some no, of my coworkers you. despite. Grade being, 10 and 11 is actually a little re, le, late read. If I were you, I would have omitted that fact. I would have well, I would have probably gone grade but, 5 and 6. But I work with men in their 30s and 40s who are still very, very Like low. currently? Yes, you didn't know this? No, I, I did not know this. Who would, I mean, is Dave Campbell? Yes, That's Dave Campbell's that guy and Kellen Kennedy. Oh, boy. I thought what about you knew Morley? that. What about who? Morley. Is Morley a wrestling guy? No, God, no. Morley oh, isn't okay. into that. I think... <laughs> you make it sound like he's never even heard of wrestling. <laughs> I think I mean, he's he kind of went on the other extreme there. I think he's heard of it. He's just... It's it's not in his uh, not in his wheelhouse. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I got I got to say quickly here, I gave the scoreboard off the top. Calgary up one nothing on Ottawa. Now 13 seconds left in the first period. That's a big one for the Flames. They're kind of in uh, an Islander-esque type situation where they got not quite as far out, but they need these wins uh, over teams behind them in the standings. I, I missed there was a goaltender interference review in that game and the Calgary goal stood and you know how upset I get Jack when I miss a goalie interference review uh, could they I wonder if they could they put out a rock'em sock'em style tape but instead of hits and fights it's just all the goalie interference reviews for throughout the season I'm <laughs> hoping we're not going to have to talk about this too much longer the other thing we'd like we should eliminate I, I don't know whether you can do it but a buzzer should go off every time our colleague Bob Stoffer says how he's rooting for Calgary to get in the playoffs. I mean, <laughs> if anyone listens to that show and believes that, they should immediately be checked. I mean, because I want to sell them some insurance. We'll put it to you that way. If anyone honestly believes that, I don't think Calgary can make it. I really don't. I, and it's not, it's not so much how far back they are because they're only three points out. But they've got they've got Colorado to deal with, and they've got LA to deal with. The good thing is, it looks like St. Louis is you know going to eliminate themselves. So theoretically, if they could beat out either LA or Anaheim, but Calgary's running out of racetrack. I mean, this is game sixty nine for them. They can't win at home, and you know their goaltending. I mean, they're going to have to have Mike Smith come back after missing a month and a half. And, and and deliver some something along the lines of a 950 save percentage for them to get in. And I believe a heck of a lot, if anyone can get them in, it's Glenn Galtzen. But the other thing they've got to do, Reed, is they've got to figure out a way to beat Edmonton. And they've got two more games with Edmonton, and I think the Oilers now is is it seven in a row? Yeah, it's seven in a row. Four yeah, last year. So three this year. I mean, you know, they're really caught between a rock and a hard place. They've had a decent season, but their goaltender went down at absolutely the worst possible time for them. Yeah, and it it just shows you how hard it is to have. And, and look. It's, it's not impossible, but it is difficult to have really competent, reliable backup goaltending. And the Oilers have been through a few guys 
over the last two or three years. Uh, we haven't seen much from Al Montoya. He's the most experienced of the lot that they've brought in. Obviously, they had Gustafson and Nielsen for varying lengths of time, and, and Brassois was, uh, well, still is a relatively young guy trying to find his way. So that's been a, that, that goaltending story is, is huge in Calgary. And when you talk about your right, Jack, it's, it's the number of teams you have to pass. And I've always felt once you get into March, if it's more than four points, you're in a really tough situation because you can win two in a row and still be out, even if the team ahead of you loses two in a row, and, and then it's hard to have streaks of three or more at this time of year, unless you're Nashville, I suppose, but they're, they're not a team fighting for a playoff spot. Well, they got a, they got a huge break in, in that St. Louis has gone into a colossal tailspin. They're going to need you know at least one more team. Uh, to do the same thing for them to have any real shot. And and the problem that they've got is they've got Colorado, which can explode. Colorado's the opposite of Calgary. They can't get it done on the road, but, boy, they are devastatingly effective at home. I, mean, I think they're 23-8 and eight at home. Uh, and the other thing is the, the two California teams have rock-solid goaltending uh, in, in terms of – now that's assuming Gibson stays healthy. But if he does, I like Gibson and Jonathan Quick over, you know, even if Mike Smith comes back next week, uh, a Mike Smith coming off a, a month and a half layoff. I mean, he was their MVP when they went when he went down. But I think people in Calgary are expecting he's just going to sail in and automatically return to that level. And I just don't know how realistically, you know, you can expect that. And and also, again, I look at the two head-to-head matchups with Edmonton. When they talk about Calgary's schedule, they they talk about you know Calgary facing a couple of non-playoff teams. Well, one of those has beaten them seven in a row, and I'm starting to think that part of that is now getting psychological. I think. Oh, I agree. I yeah. think the Flames are a little spooked by '97, and in that regard, they're not alone. I thought he was sensational last night. And and Reed, one point I wanted to make on this show tonight is I really believe. The NHL is entering the same kind of period the NBA was uh, from 87 to 98. In other words, the league is going to have to find a way not to award McDavid the next 10 MVPs. Jordan got five of the 10 years he played during that 12-year stretch. No one who saw the 93 season when Barkley got the MVP or the 97 season when Malone got the MVP. And then if you watch the finals... I mean, it was embarrassing. I mean, it's not close. And I think McDavid's going to have a couple of those years. The key is for the National Hockey League to then establish from year to year what their definition of most valuable player is. Because if it's the best player, you're going to have a hard time not giving him the award. If it's the most valuable uh, in a year like this, it, it might be you know a nice tidy excuse for the league not to award uh, McDavid its most valuable player. Yeah, yeah, I think you got to be in the playoffs. Maybe we'll talk about that with people tonight. They can text six thirty, six thirty. I do think you have to be on a playoff well, team to win. Well, it's been thirty years. I think Lemieux was the last yeah. one to do it I on mean, a unless team that Rob win, Brown played for. I think the 80, yeah. 70, 88 Penguins. Unless you win the scoring title by forty points or something or twenty five points, you know, I, I think right. you have and to be in the playoffs. Not, and that's not going to happen this right. year. But I, I'm just saying, I, you know, I, as I was driving home from the rink last night, and you know me, I'm, I try very hard, you know, not to get too homerish not to get too wrapped up in what McDavid can do. But I, I sometimes go the other way, too, where I was saying on my way home, you know, 
have there been games this year where I've been too complimentary of the op- opposition players? I know in Brooklyn I was raving about Matthew Barzell. And sometimes when you see McDavid on a game-by-game, a day-by-day basis, you start to become somehow less thrilled with what he does. And when I thought about how he transformed a bit of a, a, bit of a dog of a game, to be honest with you, at least the first 50 minutes, uh, from an Oilers perspective, I think they had 22 shots in the first 50 minutes. And then all you are thinking about as you leave the rink, 15 minutes after you were thinking, boy, this is a dog of a game, now you, all you can think of is all the remarkable plays you saw in the last 10 or 15 minutes. For me, there's one guy in the league who can do that, and he plays at Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, Jack, people are actually texting 630-630 based on our conversation. I'm going to throw you a couple here. Sure. Uh, this texter says... Don't sound so surprised. I'm supposed to be interesting. <laughs> this is why you have me on to lead off the show. Yeah, that's a good See, point. I didn't like the word. I didn't like the word actually. That was my problem with what you just said. <laughs> I, if you hadn't used actually, you would have been fine. But the combination <laughs> of the word actually and your inflection was offensive to me. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm used to offending you at this point, though, whether it's intentional or not. Uh, this is a serious question, though, for this texter. Why is there no talk of a review on Cal Clutterbuck's cross-check? Uh, I don't know. It was pretty aggressive. I don't know if it quite went into that territory. Jack, how did you see it? I, I thought it was a cheap play, but it wasn't one that, uh, you know, I mean, puckering in practice today. I, it was a classic Cal Clutterbuck type of move. Um but on his list of cheap plays, I, I don't think it cracks the top 50. I mean, and he's not a guy, he, he's also not a guy that, that goes out of his way to cause intentional injury. I mean, Cal Clutterbuck for me is, is several steps removed from a guy, another guy who played in Minnesota for a bit, and that's Matt Cook. I mean, I, you know, so in other words, that's how I'd answer that question. I didn't think it was that bad. And finally, hey, Reed and Jack, who do you think will win the Universal Championship at WrestleMania 34, Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns? Now, for all I know, Jack, that could be a trick question. Maybe both those wrestlers are retired. I don't know. Well, and, and the second guy you talked about, wasn't there a guy named Razor Ramon? Is that, is that what you just said? What, what did you say? Did I, you say Roman, Roman Reigns? Reigns? I think they're that, running out of names. Patrick, that's a guy, right? That's a current wrestler. Roman Reigns? I don't, I don't watch it, oh, honestly. Patrick's I haven't watched it sure either. I, it. All I'm saying is Roman Reigns, to me, sounds like a former wrestler named Razor Ramon, who I think actually was some other guy like with a normal name. I, that's what I loved is like when they took a guy who was, you know, remember with a one-man gang, and all of a sudden they made him a keem or something? I mean, that was a weird one. And then, like, Steve Lombardi became, like, a jobber became a name guy, like, you know, I think we're past that point. But I think they're running out of name options. you got to branch out a little bit. To me, those are too similar. <laughs> uh, Jack, always a pleasure. I will see you at the rink tomorrow. And remember, buddy, it's not the battle of Alberta. It's the battle for Alberta. Oh, what, when have we changed that preposition? <laughs> well, that's another one of Bob's lines that I'm sure you want the buzzer to go off for. Oh, and I, I thought you uh, – I, I, I actually – you know, he maybe he. You know, I think he test drives some of these out on other people before it <laughs> before he brings it to me. 
You know what I mean? I think he. I think he runs it past some, past some other people before he brings that one to me. I haven't seen that one. All right, fair enough. Prepositions aside, I'm definitely looking forward to a couple of Edmonton Calgary matchups down the stretch because I will be candid. Uh, I am not looking forward to the Flames making the playoffs. I would like nothing better than the Oilers to beat them twice more and be the reason they're out rather than in. Jack, thanks so much for your time, buddy. Have a great night with your family. Does that make me a bad person? You're, I would never consider you a bad person. Well, hey, Jack, Jack, I actually would never consider you a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a better use of the word, actually. Thanks for having me on, pal. That is Jack Michaels checking in. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We're coming right back. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, it's 628. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Several people texting in the Roman Reigns under his uh, non-wrestling name, and I'm not even sure how to say it, Joe uh, Anoyai, I believe. Uh, played. A, I, I don't even remember this player. Played a year for the Edmonton Eskimos in 2008. He was then released and tired, retired from football, 32 years of age. And another texter saying Roman Reigns has won the world title a few times. Well, there we go. And, of course, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was briefly a Calgary Stampeder, I believe, several, several years ago. So there we go. Thank you for educating me. Oh, and Kevin says Reigns is also Dwayne Johnson's real-life cousin? Well, that's fascinating. I learned a lot tonight. You can always text 63630 whether you would like to educate me on wrestling or you would like to talk about something else in the sports world. I'm sure the Oilers are on a lot of your minds lately. We're also going to talk a little bit about three-on-three overtime. I asked Todd McClellan about extending it. Should it go longer? What would you like to see? Best way to break a tie in the National Hockey League. More overtime? More three-on-three? Or do you think it would, you know, too much of a good thing? Might wear it down after a while, wear down the players. Do you still like the shootout? Would you like it to see go bye-bye? We'll touch on some of that. Plenty of time to talk. The open line is 780-496-0063. Back after the news. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. What is this, Patrick? This is John Cena's theme song. Since we were talking about wrestling, I felt it was appropriate. Fair enough. Calgary up 1-0 on Ottawa. Minute and a half into the second period. Blue Jackets lead the Red Wings late in the second period. Still to come tonight. Actually just getting underway. The Ducks and the Stars. And then later on tonight, Minnesota at Vancouver. Then the Wild are here tomorrow night to play the Edmonton Oilers. NBA this evening. The Raptors up 58-43 on Houston. Of course, Toronto became the first team in the NBA to clinch a playoff spot when they beat Detroit on Wednesday. Taking on Houston tonight, who coming into this game, had won 17 straight. 
a 17-game winning streak for the Houston Rockets, and the Raptors lead them by 15 at the half. You know, Toronto's the best team in the Eastern Conference. We're going to talk to Paul Sir from Basketball Alberta about uh, some hoops and other stuff in the next half hour of the show. You can always reach out by texting 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. University sports, uh, you probably heard yesterday, the U of A Golden Bears basketball team, unfortunately, blown out by Ryerson in their quarterfinals, so they are eliminated Golden Bears uh, hockey at Nationals next week. Don't know the schedule yet. And uh, Golden Bears and Pandas volleyball at Nationals next week. So we'll get into that uh, a little more after the weekend. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is 6.37, and, and you heard Jack and I talking about it. Just uh, an amazing finish and an amazing overtime last night, Oilers and Islanders. Clef bomb, and now Drysaddle on the right half boards. McDavid down the slot. Left circle, one-timer, and what a stop on Clef bomb by goaltender Christopher Gibson. The puck smacked around for a moment. Barzell dropped it off. Nick Letty in over the line. Top of the circles to Barzell. Loading up, faking the shot. Knocked away, and we've got a breakaway. Here's Connor McDavid to win it. Over the blue line. Penalty Barzell. And McDavid was stopped. Got it back. Looked. And then gave it away. And now we'll have a penalty shot in overtime. Connor McDavid one-on-one against Christopher Gibson. Here's McDavid to win the game. Penalty shot in overtime. Picks it up at center. Right to left. He's in over the blue line. Top of the right circle. Loads. Fires off the post. Here's Tavares left to right. Hits the line for Nick Letty to the net. Wade dishes. One timer denied. Everly stopped. Islanders are trying to get Everly an overtime winner in Edmonton, and it may be costing them. Talbot, that great save with the pad on Everly in overtime. No scoring in the three on three. The Oilers finally won in the shootout. And I'm comfortable saying this this is the third season for three on three in the NHL. And as much as we uh, criticize the NHL for sometimes games that don't have enough offense or the uh, goalie interference review like Jack and I were talking about in the last uh, segment of the show, that's been a big debate. What about the offside review? You know, I hate that. Absolutely hate it. Think they should get rid of it. I I think we can all agree. If if somebody disagrees, reach out because I I haven't heard a a lot of naysaying about the three-on-three overtime. I think they've absolutely nailed it. If anything, I I think some people would like it to go a little longer, and I asked head coach Todd McClellan about that. We'll get to that clip a a little bit later on, but what if it were 10 minutes, or what if it were even seven or seven and a half minutes, and it it reduced even further the chance of of getting to a shootout? Maybe that would mean you couldn't play the the stars at much, or or you'd see some guys come on the ice who wouldn't usually play much in three-on-three overtime, but it's it's a thrill. It's it's end-to-end it's wide open action. It's chances everywhere. It's goalies being tested. And I well, I hate to speak for people, but I, I would think if I were a fan last night who'd spent money to go to that game, or even if you were home watching it and you invest time to watch it on TV, you probably thought, well, this is a bit of a dud with eight minutes left. Your team's down one nothing. A lot of you know, average at best scoring opportunities and then the Oilers tie it late and then just a thrilling overtime and a thrilling shootout. It's all about the offense, but what about the goaltender's perspective? I sat down with Cam Talbot after practice today and talked a little three-on-three. I mean, I think teams obviously get a little bit smarter. It's all about puck possession. If you don't have a shot or anything like that, you see a lot of teams just regrouping out back in the neutral zone. You don't always have to play in their end. So um, I think teams have gotten smarter. They know it's all puck possession based. As soon as you can tire the other team out, you got a better opportunity. So 
Um, I think that's uh, that's kind of one of the things that we thrive on. I mean, you get Connor and Leon and those guys on the ice, and their puck possession skills are are unbelievable. So it's tough for the other team to get it. And you know, once you get them tired and running around, it's uh, you start to create even more space than there already is. So I think that's why we've been able to thrive in those situations. There are fewer players on the ice. Does that make it easier or harder for a goaltender to read the play, right? Because there's fewer players to pass to, but sometimes the chances are more wide open. Yeah, it's definitely harder, I think. Um, more wide open space, like you said, a lot more uh, odd man rushes and breakaways and that kind of thing. So, I mean, it's no secret that a lot of games have been won in overtime this year. Not too many games make it to a shootout anymore, but um, if it does make it to a shootout, you pretty much bank on the goalies having to make two or three grade A stops in overtime to get there. So, um, it's definitely entertaining hockey and, you know, it's fun to play, but definitely tough on the goalies. Take me through the save on Eberly last night that looked like a, well, it was a great A chance and one he's, we've all seen him put away quite a bit in his career. Uh, I was just trying to stay patient on Letty. I kind of saw him maybe look for Ebbs like when he first got the puck and, um, you know, I was kind of banking on him trying to get Ebbs the winner. So um, I kind of, uh, once I saw him get a little t- uh, closer than I just kind of cheated a little bit, took uh, took away the short side for him, but um, got ready to push over for Ebbs because I know, like you said, uh, Anywhere in tight, he's got the hands, he can put that under the bar, so I just tried to get over and take away as much net as I could. You can't give him too much time. The the three-on-three overtime is incredibly exciting. Uh, Hypothetically, would you be in favor of lengthening it so more games are decided in in three-on-three? I think it's fun. I mean, to have a game decided in shootouts, I mean, that's also fun, but not as exciting as the overtime, I think. So, um, I mean, I'd be be all for um, going more three-on-three. I mean... um, Maybe I'm biased because we have some of the best players in the world for the three-on-three competitions, so uh, it usually uh, favors us when those guys are on the ice. But um, I think it's an, an, it's an exciting brand of hockey and uh, a little bit more exciting than the shootout for the fans, so it's pretty fun. It's got to be different, though. I mean, that's it's certainly one thing that's changed. I mean, well, we're in, might be a chance. No, circle all the way back to center. I mean, that's a totally different aspect of the game you would never see five on five no you wouldn't but i think that's where uh like i said teams have kind of changed it used to just be go 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 if you don't get an opportunity in the offensive zone like you're just kind of circling in there but now teams are smart it's all puck possession based once you have the puck on your stick you don't want to give it up because then the other team like you said so much space and and time you might not get that puck back for a while so um, teams are getting smarter about that and um, although it's not as exciting when they're circling back out to center ice it usually creates another chance and they go back down for the rush so um, like I said it's pretty exciting and a lot of fun to play. All right a little bit there from Camp Talbot great save in overtime on Jordan Everly. he's had a a couple good overtimes Uh, Arizona back in the first half of the season made some good saves the game against Calgary where the Oilers wind up winning in a shootout. He made three grade-A saves in uh, the last minute of overtime, including Johnny Goudreau, a glove save on a breakaway. So a lot of times you talk about the offensive players, but it's a chance for the goaltenders to shine in the overtime as well. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Matt on the line. Matt, you're on with Reed. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make a quick uh, comment on the three-on-three. I wonder if it would be worth it to look at maybe... Um, doing a floating blue line on the three-on-threes because lots of, lots of times the guys will, you know, they'll come, they'll regroup, then they got to wait to enter back again. I mean, you think expanding that um, sort of the end zone for that, for the three-on-three would be a bit of a help? So you're saying once they gain the blue line, the, the red line would basically become the offensive zone? Didn't they, exactly. Don't they do that in ball hockey or roller hockey they, or something? They, yeah, they do. They do it in ball hockey. And it seems to work well. I don't know. I've always, actually, uh, I would always, 
I kind of thought maybe do it on five on five and try it out in the in the American League or something like that. But I don't know. I thought it might might help out the, the three on three because, like you said, there's nothing worse than going to a shootout after five minutes. Well, especially now that the, the like the three on three is the the creme de la creme of tie breaking procedures in pro sports. I think. Oh yeah. I mean, baseball's exciting if you win on a walk off. The N- the NBA probably has the worst overtime because it's five minutes oh, it's of what you just yeah. saw. Uh, the, the NFL, like, I think the CFL has a better than the NFL because I like the shootout better than the you can win with a touchdown but not a field goal. Like some people still don't right. even know the rules. Uh, yeah. So, so that so that the NHL has the best, and that's and I'll play the clip for McClellan. What, like no, no fan would say like if I said to you, hey, we're going to review more plays. You'd tell me yeah. to, to get lost. If I said yeah. we're going to give you two extra minutes of three on three overtime, you'd say great. A hundred percent, absolutely. I mean, like you said, it, it's it's the creme de la creme. I mean, the only way I think it could get more exciting, and they would never, ever, ever do this, but it would be like the minor hockey week. Right. That would, be, <laughs> that would right. be amazing. Get down to one-on-one after one-on-one. four minutes. Can you imagine that? You pull your goalie, like, that'd be great. But, yeah, they would never do that. But, no, so, I, I, so that was just sort of my comment. Okay, yeah. so just to explain, Matt, so let's say, so Dreisaitl brings the puck up the right wing. He crosses the offensive blue line. He doesn't right. like what he sees. Clefbaum's standing in front of the net. Dreisaitl circles back out to the center ice circle but stays on the offensive half of the red line. Clefbaum doesn't have to vacate the zone. He's yeah, still on side to, until the other team you, crosses center. You got her. Right, You, you okay. don't have to come back and, and clear the zone again. So, yeah, I think, I think it, would really, I would really, it would really help. And why not attack another two and a half or five minutes on, right? Yeah, that's an interesting idea. I never thought of that, Matt. But it would create for some interesting passing lanes too. Once you got into the zone, because you well, could, that's just it. I'm, yeah, I mean, with the three-on-three three down in that one zone, yeah, guys are moving all the time. And I mean, but there might not as crazy as this is going to sound. There might not be actually enough room down there to make some some really interesting passes. And then you've got the D coverage that okay, our guy is going to just try and shadow. Or are they doing like a zone like? I don't know. I think it would be just. I think it would be fantastic. That that's an interesting idea, Matt. I'm going to try to remember to ask Rob about that tomorrow on our broadcast for the Oilers in the Wild. That's good stuff. Yeah, Matt. that'd be uh, that'd be wicked. And maybe one other quick thing, if you've got a sec. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on um, the NHL recruiting former players as officials? Uh, well, who was the last guy to do that? Paul Stewart. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Paul Stewart, and then now they're running. The NHL is having a big push um, to recruit like former college players, junior players, that kind of thing. I think it's, it's a great players. idea because it's you have a different understanding of the game and the and the passions and what it's just like when I interviewed Grant Fewer after Kessler grabbed the pad, Grant says, right. Why is not an ex goalie in the situation room all the time oh, for goalie interference? 100%. I think it's a, I, I think that's a great idea. I think that's See, a great and idea. I, and I'm I'm kinda of sitting on the fence. Um, not that I was a super duper referee or anything like that, but you know, officiated some high-ish levels of hockey, and I think that, that the feel for the game as a player and the feel for the game as a referee um, are quite are quite different. In a sense that a player has a sure. good feel, maybe reading plays and stuff like that. So I think it might might help them there, um, maybe mitigating some earlier calls, giving a guy a verbal penalty, saying, "Hey, don't do that." Um, and catching him before he commits a foul, but I don't know. I just, to me, I just, I don't know. I guess it's, I'd, I'd rather see him see him stick the other way, especially with some of the quality officials that we have, 
you know, in Canada and the United States that are, you know, work in the Olympics and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't, I don't mind that idea at all if they tried to yeah. bring players into officiating. Matt, thanks for calling. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks, you. All right. 780-496-0063. I have to take a quick time out. Randy's up next on the phone lines. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 652. 780-496-0063. A couple of gentlemen want to chat. We'll start off with Randy. Hey, Randy. Hi, Reed. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, I have one complaint about that guy that wanted to have the movable red line. Okay. The, the NHL and the NHL officials have enough tr- trouble calling goaltender interference. What would you think if they went to do a movable red, red line? Well, I don't think it would be that difficult because what he's saying is once you enter the zone that you get the whole half of the ice as the offensive zone, so they would just have to remember that they already crossed in. Like I said, the NHL has enough trouble with the goaltender interference. So you're, you're, you're saying they wouldn't be smart enough to remember if the team had gone in, in already or not. You're being cheeky, aren't you, Randy? I'm not being <laughs> cheeky. I'm being honest. I've been watching hockey. I turn 55 next month. I've been watching hockey a long time. I've never seen anything. You touch the goaltender, that's interference. I mean, what's to decide about it? Well, you touch the goaltender, that's interference. Apparently, quite a bit, given the reviews that we've been seeing. Okay. I don't, like I, I don't, I don't like it either. I don't, I don't like the offside review. I'm not against all video review, but yeah, I mean, we've talked about that quite a bit this year. Did you but watch the I game might, last night? I did. I did. I, I did. I loved it. Uh, who, if you can't fall in love with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse. You don't know what you're watching. Well, there's some good players here. They did, the team That's just true. hasn't had a good season, so hopefully they they get it together for next year, buddy. Thanks a lot for calling. I got I, I got I got one thing more. If you, if you got time for me, yeah, you got, I got 30 more seconds, and I got Kieran okay. too. Yeah. Okay. Um, for the for the goaltender interference, the thing I like is in the Olympics and in the, the World Championships, if a player goes and stops in the crease, they blow it down and pull a face up outside. Right, so that Simple. way they don't even have to worry about a goal going in. Yeah. They don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Thanks, Randy. That's, okay, buddy. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Kieran on line three. Hey, Kieran. How's it going? Doing quite well. Good. I'm uh, a little worried about the floating blue line just for the unintended consequences that we don't know, considering with the offsides how every media person in the world saw Danny Briere go over by four feet and decided to change the whole rule, and now your foot has to... Like, there's unintended consequences to all these rules that we don't know, and I feel it would turn it into a soccer game. Because you're just giving guys way too much room now to lollygag. Oh, so they're already they lollygagging enough. Right. So you're saying they're they already never shoot, eh? Yeah, they're already lollygagging enough, and once they enter, once they, they can leave the blue line, but they know they got to come back in to get... The, I think it would lead to way really, really boring three-on-three just because you, you, you're thinking like, man, these guys have zero time to make plays, and they're still making them. Just imagine if you give these guys 10 more seconds. Well, they're going to use those 10 more seconds, I think. So I play ball hockey. I'm, fucking, I'm horrible at it, but I think you can, um, I think you can back-check way easier with ball hockey because you're running. 
Okay. I think skating, I, I think they'll catch you way too quick, and that's the, or they let you lollygag around, they wouldn't actually skate at you, so I just think it would turn into a soccer game, but, okay. you know, I don't know much. Yeah, well, no, that's fine, that's a good, I, I'd like to see it, I mean, maybe they could, I don't know if they'd ever try it in the AHL or in preseason, and honestly, I'd never heard that idea before, so I, I enjoy that. It, might, just it also might help, there. though, with one thing, is the risky passes, which might lead to more turnovers, because if you give guys more room, though, with the half line, there might be more riskier passes that they might go after, and instead of lollygagging, and maybe that might turn into the exciting hockey he was talking about. So there's two sides. I'm just kind of worried. Once you take the traditional hockey out and change the rules, there's so many unintended consequences that we don't know about that could turn either good or bad. And I'm, I think the three on three is way too good right now to even change it. Just add more minutes. Make it ten. Well, that's that's the thing. I I, I wouldn't mind to see it to see it go ten. And I asked McClellan about that. I'm going to get to that later in the show. Kieran, good to hear oh, from you. Thanks. All right, that's Kieran at 780-496-0063. I don't think there's any debate. I mean, I can't imagine somebody objecting to a longer three-on-three overtime. Uh, there you might, I guess there would have to be a reasonable, I don't think, I think longer than 10 would probably be excessive, especially in the regular season. But it, it's certainly one of the best parts about the NHL right now. Calgary still up one nothing on Ottawa. Seven minutes left in the second period. One of the uh, great friends of the show, Paul Sir from Basketball Alberta, is going to join us in the next half hour. And uh, if you've heard Paul before, uh, yes, he works in basketball, but he can touch on anything. I, I, we're going to ask him about three-on-three overtime. Uh, he is uh, grew up in uh, in the States, but he lived in Edmonton a long time, and he's a pretty well-versed hockey viewer as well. He's coming up next.